HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Lou Bang. Steven Alvarez, professor of St. John's University. Ismael Gomez, like a spirit. And this is Agave Roach with a crew lead claimed award-winning podcast that helps Gringex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And I've got a question for you, Steven. Yes, sir. You got time? That's all I got. <laughs> so you you said something in the previous episode that like piqued my my interest and I wanted to see if we could tickle it out here into an episode. Um you had mentioned the the, the connections between the amount of I think between the amount of time that mescaleros take to make their spirits and the amount of time that some people use to cook their food in traditional ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so tell me more about that. Uh, I guess, you know, you know I would, the best way to describe this, maybe through food ways, is that you know, Michael Pollan had this um, notion of slow food, rather, as opposed to fast food, which is the industrial food, monoculture kind of way of thinking about uh, processed food and basically like uh, fast food that's quick to be consumed, but not really anything you have to think about. Mm-hmm. And there's another way where you can think about like the actual farm to table movement about how, how food takes time and that time is a necessary ingredient, but also it's sort of counter to the, the idea of efficiency. And so for me, and the best way I can describe this is that uh, with the agave, uh, agave is one thing, but also time is a necessary ingredient to think about the process itself. The process implies time as a narrative, but time is always factored in the maestros or masters of understanding the plant and the time necessary for the cultivation. Well, so so the thing that fascinates me about this in the context, <laughs> this in the context, we got a little clap, a very silent golf clap from Ismail for that. Um, the thing that fascinates me uh, in the context of mezcal um, and agave spirits and tequila and really all spirits is that we're, we're talking about this time. And there are these restaurants, right, that are slow food restaurants where you go and you expect you're going to spend three hours for a meal. But you don't really have that at bars. I mean, can you think of a context of a bar where your expectation is you're going to sit down for three hours and just drink and really slow, like slowly think about it? You know, I, I, my head goes to Mazonte in Guadalajara, right? Which, right. which kind of does this. So, 
my point is like it's the exceptions that come to mind where they do reflect in their serving of these spirits the same time that it takes to make the spirits but the vast majority of places the vast majority of places where these spirits are served they're like trying to figure out how to get through 200 covers in a night 300 covers in a night so what does that do to the context of the spirit you know the, the the previous episode um, we were talking about uh, things that actually were very confusing for the average consumer, right? Right, right? And 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 I think that relates a lot to this same issue of time. You know, I, I, first off, uh, when we think about the agave, how much time it takes for the agave to bloom. I mean, it's it's a process. It takes time. It takes years. And then, in front, of course. In addition to that, that's not very efficient. It's not a cash crop. It's a crop. <laughs> it's not. It, it just can't be. It can't compete with those yearly uh, kind of harvests. But the harvests happen, and they always happen according to plan, in the sense that it's not going to be something you think about in, in one year, but you're thinking the five-year plan, the 10-year plan. And also, what's really beautiful about this is then time becomes a necessary ingredient, but it's also very sophisticated because you're moving beyond the chemicals. You're thinking about the chemical process and how it transforms. So on one hand, you get the bottle, you get the product, but you have no idea what the story is. And that, I think, is the saddest part because the story is so beautiful. The piece of this that... that Yes, I agree with all of that, but the piece of this that's confounding me now is, okay, so how do we reflect that in the bars that sell it? You know, maybe this is sort of the future of what these spirits look like, is the vast majority of these spirits are going to be, look, Mezcal right now is 2% of tequila. And while you see some tequila moving back to a a tradition that looks a lot more like what we think of when we think of mezcal, this handmade process. um, Or, or, Lou, they're trying to rescue the processes in how tequila or or the distillations of agave that happen in the tequila region used to be made. Right. Right. It's exactly right. so you, you, you're seeing a bit of that, but still the vast majority of tequila is made in an industrial way. But if if we have, and I think we're going to see mezcal moving more and more in that industrial process, the question doesn't become, look, it's not like, it's not like somebody like Eduardo Anales is ever going to install a diffuser at, at his palenque. That's just not going to happen, right? So the question then becomes, how do we ensure that there continues to be a market for spirits like Lalo's? And I think maybe it's it's exactly what you're suggesting is we need a model of a bar that reflects that same sense of good things take time. And that's not going to be your nightclub. That's not going to be the vast majority of places where these spirits are sold. But there need to be places like Mazonte popping up in Chicago, Los Angeles, New York. You know, actually, it gets me to think about uh, mole. Like, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual experience when mole is made and it takes time. It, and the time is necessary for all the ingredients to fuse together and to make the product. And the product is often celebrated together. But what I, what I hear you saying, though, is something about where you go to a bar and you actually appreciate the product and how it was made. And you have a little bit of a, a wider perception, but also a greater appreciation, a greater appreciation of the spirit, but also how the spirit arrived to you and how many hands had to touch that for, for you to get that final product which I think is a, I would love to see that happen. Right, and I think you need that that expectation of a three-hour service at the bar 
in order to get that story, to understand that story. It goes back to what we were saying, Ismael, that you know, so many people, they've got six million things going on in their day. And, and for them to focus on this is a near impossibility. So, okay, most people won't focus on it. But if we don't have places for individuals to focus on it, it's never going to happen. It's not, gonna, it's not going to exist in 10, 15, 20 years. It'll be overwhelmed by industrial Moscow. But don't you think that is happening in the U.S. as we speak? What do you, what do you mean? That uh, five years ago, there were no mezcal bars in the U.S., now we have mezcal bars serving uh, mezcal the proper way in in the right vessels in some cases. So the the uh, mesontes, I think it's just a matter of time if the rules and regulations of the state will allow you to do it. I'm sure there's more than one person in the U.S. trying to do a mesonte, but because of the regulations of serving alcohol, depending on, on the state that you are talking about, they not allow them to do that because in order for you to serve alcohol, you have to serve food. In order for you to serve food, you need to have another operation. And some people don't want to do that. For example, Pedro Jimenez and mesonte. I'm not sure neither... I believe he's interested in uh, adding a food menu into Mesonte. No, no, no. But he's got a restaurant around the corner. And in fact, in Chicago, you can have a bar without food. And I think most states you can. Most states you can. I think most states you cannot. Oh, I think most states you can. I think that there are other regulations around that. But I think it's the, the rare state where you can't have a bar uh, where you bring your own food or where there's no food available. But, you know, but I think, you know, I, I think the, the bigger issue becomes like, how do you how do you, you know, you're, you're saying five years ago there weren't mezcal bars. In fact, I feel like it's the opposite in Chicago, where five years ago we had more mezcal bars than we have now. And I don't think any of those bars that used to exist or that exist now actually follow the model that, that we're talking about, that slow food model. They all have loud music. They all have an expectation of turning over the, uh, the consumer quickly so that they can move on to somebody else and make that sale. I, I think that, that low and slow model, in essence, the, the slow food, the barbecue, the mezcal model of, uh, of bars isn't in the U.S. yet. Even like Bar Clavel, which I think of, you know, in, in my experience, limited experience of visiting mezcalerias um, in the U.S., even a place like that, by and large, doesn't have the capacity to pay attention for an hour to a standard consumer and they set up this beautiful tasting room in the back where you can buy tickets right and and it's it is that it's exactly that but that's like the tiny little model in the back and maybe that's the maybe that's the answer you know I, as you were saying this i was thinking about the the tastings i've gone where you've led and that to me was you know the best way i could describe it is where i'm drinking and i'm learning and i'm learning and that's the appreciation and i feel like you, know, you can go to a bar and maybe you, you want to get away from learning. Uh, <laughs> typically, I tip back a couple. I get a little bit more curious about things. Uh, but I feel like there is a point where, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're sitting with someone who has a little bit more experience and who's able to kind of walk you through, and that way you can think about every sip. I mean, so you're not, I wouldn't say it's going to be like the slow move, but you're, you're, you're drinking slower. You're thinking about it. You're appreciating it. And the way that folks appreciate wine having someone like a sommelier or something like this, right? So the, the best way I could describe it for me is that it could be an educational experience so that what you're eating, you're thinking about too. You know, Socrates, he says, the life the life left unexamined is not worth living. I think, you know, if you, any food or any drinks that you're not thinking about, it's not worth eating or drinking either. Oh. Deep okay. stuff, man.
Yeah, okay. Well, and I think I like that as a conclusion. Ismail, are you okay with that? I'm okay. Okay, let's call that a wrap, and I'll catch you guys next episode. You've been listening to Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Gring X bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. We're blessed with sound engineering by Roy Sierra and a theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marco Ricos. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, well, I'm sure you'll let us know that too. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Agave Road Trip. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pit Bulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization using the power of education educational storytelling about food to build a more equitable, resilient food system. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network might lead you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If you drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, drive responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive, do not walk either. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to stretch every 30 minutes. If you stretch every 30 minutes, please stay within your defined stressing capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you don't have a doctor, maybe Dr. Ryan Acock, the cocktail MD, can help you out. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip. Out.